This is It Is What It Is, a podcast gumbo featuring Max Lit. What's going on, y'all? Uh, as you already know, this is Max Lit, and this is It Is What It Is, a podcast gumbo featuring me, of course, Max Lit. Uh, good to be back. It's been a little bit. Hasn't been a long time. Like I know, uh, I'm known <laughs> to kind of let some time go by. Um, but yo, a lot, a lot, a lot has been going on. You know, this stuff has been going on, uh, and it kind of derailed me from uh, the momentum that I had. Um, first off, <clears throat> pardon me, I had a chance to to go back to New York, um, hometown. Uh, I hadn't been to New York in a while, you know, I was there, you know, for a day or two here and there, but I really didn't have a chance to like, kind of, you know, hang out, uh, too much those times that I was there. And, uh, that was, man, um, got a chance to go back with, uh, Davlin, uh, my friend, housemate, y'all already know the details on that. Um, I think it was the end of June. No, it might have. I think it was the beginning. Yeah, it was the beginning, beginning, beginning of June that um we went back, went to go see uh the play for Color Girls. Uh, that was amazing. So if you get a chance to see that uh in New York, that'd be dope. You know, I, I'm not sure what the traveling schedule is for that play, but if you get a chance to see it, however way you see it, I highly recommend that you you, you see that because that joint was dope. Um. So many things. Uh, I'm not really going to get into all of that details on that because I wouldn't do it any justice. Uh, so if you get a chance again, go check that out. Um, also got a chance to go back to my old neighborhood, like for real. Go back. The plan was, uh, you know, we was going to go and check out the old house and hang out, you know. Um, again, this was the first time since 2008, really that I got a chance to go back to that neighborhood, you know, where I grew up in, in, in South Jamaica, Queens, Ozone Park, South Ozone Park, you know, we stayed out in Far Rockaway. So seeing that part of the greater, uh, you know, that portion of Queens um, was crazy because I hadn't been on that side of town in a long time. Um, I was still in New York the last time, like living there the last time I had been, to, to Far Rockaway, uh, the Five Towns area. So a lot has changed in that. Um, a big part, <laughs> the trip was dope, but, um, you know, going back to that neighborhood, I did not expect it to have changed as much as it did. The last time that I was there in 2008, it hadn't really changed a whole lot. Um, and I think that was too, so I, I, I left New York in 2002, 2003. So that was only a very short period of time. Um, the last time I was there, um, 28 years old, 42 now. So of course, a lot would change um, over the course of that period of time. And I don't really know what I was expecting um, as far as that trip goes as far as being in that neighborhood went 
what was I expecting to feel? Was what was I expecting to see? I I expected a lot of excitement. You know, I was really excited to to take Davlin there. I told Davlin, Matt, you know, everybody that knows me, you know, we get stories. Excuse me, I had to take a sip of water there. Um, I tell I tell stories. I'm a storyteller, um, and I have a lot of stories from my childhood growing up in New York. Especially when you talk to people that did not grow up in New York or didn't grow up in a big city. Um, and because of what I do as a writer and, you know, again, a storyteller, Davlin said, well, it, it was, it would be good to, you know, when you talk about these things to kind of have a backdrop to, um, these places. And so like, let me see. So like, I never looked at it that way, the backdrop. Uh, so automatically I was like, oh shit, you know, I'll be able to, you know, say this is the spot that I was talking about at the park and this is this and this is that. And, you know, when we got to, when we was coming from the far Rockaway area and coming into, you know, that's my area, South Jamaica, South Ozone, uh, for y'all that know the area, you know, Rockaway Boulevard, Suffolk Boulevard, that little interchange right there, a lot hadn't changed. You know, a lot of that area was still the same. You coming coming from Far Rockaway from that the what I think they call it like the Rockaway Turnpike. That had changed years ago. I remember that. Um, because when I had flew into and out of New York visiting for like a day or two or whatever, I flew into and out of JFK and that area has changed dramatically. Um when I got when my sister got married in two thousand and eight. So that was the last time I was in that area. Um, a lot had changed since then too. So it was a complete change around that area. But once I got closer to where I grew up, things started looking a little bit similar. And then we got to the block that I lived on and then that, that surrounding area. Uh, and I, oh man, I still like mind blowing how much all of that area has changed. Um, there were, I remember, and, and, and it hit me because I was like, you know, all of these memories that I have of this area, I started feeling like, yo, did I remember this wrong? Or, did, you know, you know, we have selective memory when it comes to certain things. So sometimes it's like, well, maybe that's not really how I remember it or whatever, whatever. Um, but to see it, like, it's, it, it's like, so the couple of times I went back before, um, I went back to Brooklyn. You know, a lot of Brooklyn has changed. Uh, but Brooklyn was changing while I was there. Um, you know, you go to Manhattan, you expecting things to be different, but it's still typically the same. You know, big, those big city areas, they don't really, like you get new buildings and stuff like that. But because of the way everything is situated, I guess, um, not a whole lot changes. You know, Manhattan, except for like areas like Times Square and whatever like that. And of course, you know, the downtown area where, the World Trade Center used to be, of course, those areas changed. And, and, and again, th those changes were happening um, as while I was there. Um, and I've been back enough to progressively see some of those changes. I think the big thing that hit me and, and Davlin brought this to my attention because it impacted me so much. I was kind of in the dumps afterward. Like we had planned a bunch of stuff that we were going to do as far as hanging out. Um but when we got to like the Jamaica Avenue area, like I was going to park the car, we was going to get some beef pads, going to get some pizza and just kind of hang. Right. By the time we got up there, like 
the the area of like Gar Brewer and Merrick and all that, that had changed so much. You know, the, the neighborhood looked different and it wasn't for like the positive. <laughs> I think that's what really um, threw me for a loop because it's like everywhere around that area of Queens, you know, like I said, Brooklyn and Manhattan, it's like when those areas change and it's gentrification. So that's fucked up, you know, but it the area improves at least to the eye. It improves. Right. So you can see the change and be like, oh, man, you know, these brownstones used to be, you know, whatever. And now they they built them up and they selling for millions of dollars. You know, that's the kind of change that you you see it and it's nice. And in some cases, it's beautiful. But the impact is, you know, people are can't afford to live there. So they're getting sold out or bought out or whatever like that. But it's it's the kind of progress that you expect or, you know, if you want to call it progress, it's, it's those are the types of changes that you expect. I wasn't expecting. The change to where. It seemed like that area was going down. Um, I remember when I first moved down to Greenville from New York. Um, one of the things I used to talk about was how people who wasn't from New York, when they came to visit where I grew up while I was living there, um, they had a misconception of what that area of New York, the Queens area, uh, what that looked like. You know, uh, one of, when I was mad young, 19, um, I was volunteering and I had a roommate who was from, uh, Metairie, Louisiana. And, uh, when he, you know, came to New York, he used to talk about it, um, how different it was from where he grew up and the, the, the places that he spent a lot of time in for the year that I was there, um, was in Brooklyn in the Brooklyn Heights area where we was volunteering, but also like the people that he met and knew and was hanging out with, they also hung out in that Brooklyn area. So it was a lot of, you know, no parks, you know, except for the big park, Central Park, Prospect Park you know, those other major parks in the area. Um, no houses with, with, with lawns or grass or anything like that. So when he came to Queens, to my neighborhood, he was shocked that it looked that way. And I always prided myself on being able to tell people that that part of Queens, that part of New York, was very similar to the outer, the outskirts of a lot of areas as far as the cities go. Um, not suburbs, but like, I think that's the misconception that people have about New York or other big areas. It's like, it's the, the big city area and then it's the suburbs, but there's a lot, there's a lot of places in between that's not, you know, suburbs or country. Um, but it's not, you know, city, city either. So we had a, a, a yard and we had grass and we had a park right behind the house, um, a block away, big park, um, Baisley park for anybody who knows, um, so to have all of these memories, the way I remember them, even back in 2008, to come back. So that's 2008, 18, 19, 21, 22. That's 14 years later. There were houses where there wasn't houses before. Uh, a lot of them. <laughs> so, you know, those yards that that I remember growing up seeing in the neighborhood, they weren't really there anymore. You know, it was like patches of grass, you know, even the house that I grew up in, uh, the house that I grew up in, the people who bought that house. Um, it's it's nice. You know, it's not run down. It's not dilapidated. You know, the people who live there take good care of it. Um, 
but it's, it's it was different. But even just around the corner, like you go when I went to the park, that used to be like a really nice park area. Like I remember the story my mom told me of when they bought the house, the realtor took them around the park side so that they could see how nice that area was. And they came up on the back side of the park to the front and you know, she, the realtor tells, tells my mom, you know, uh, it's a nice park area here. You know, you can walk across the park and get the buses going that direction, you know, but if you're going towards the train station, you know, the, um, the bus is only a block away. So they, they didn't really see that. And it wasn't like it was a big deal, but it was like, my mom really did say, cause you know, South Jamaica in the early eighties, parts of it was really rough. Um, and we grew up in the area and this is taking it way back. So a lot of y'all might not know about some of the history of that part of Queens, but it used to be called cop killer Queens because, uh, long story short, there was a police officer that was killed in that area. Um, and ironically enough, as the legend goes, <laughs> um, my sister, when she was leaving, I don't know if she, I think she was going to school, but she had left the house and, there was a car park parked across the street from our house. Um, and it was a, what looked like just a, a guy slumped over or sleep in the car. Uh, later on, my sister realized that that was the, the police officer that was shot and killed in the neighborhood. And that's, you know, that was what that is. I know it's kind of a dark, grim story, but that's, that's kind of the origin of that area. Um, so that's why, you know, the, the nicer parts, that's why the realtor kind of, swung my mom around that way because she wanted to convince her on the neighborhood. So that's kind of how the neighborhood was. I mean, it was, it was the hood. Don't get me wrong, but it was like hood adjacent almost. Um, you know, the, 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 and I've, I've told this story on other podcasts, other podcasts before. Um, there was the hood, hood, hood. <laughs> that was like two blocks, you know, up. But the area that we lived in was was pretty cool for, you know, young black families in that area to get started. Um, so, again, seeing the change that that was that had occurred on the downside, you know, was pretty it was it was it was. Uh, it was an emotional moment for me uh, because I felt like all the memories that I had were gone of that area uh, and it affected me more than I realized. Um, so I just remember just being in a funk for, so we, that was the late part of, I think the early part of June that we went. And up until recently, <laughs> you know, it, it was still kind of affecting me. Uh, and I had did a podcast about it um, earlier when we got back. And I just didn't like the way it came out. Um, I felt like I was rambling because I think the feelings were still very pronounced. And I really couldn't explain how I felt about that. Uh, and I bring this up because uh, we talk about change a whole lot. And, you know, a lot of us are trying to, you know, see change for the better. Uh, and a lot of that does have to do with places that people live and, and how we move about our daily lives, you know, the oppression that we experience, uh, the, the social ills that we experience, uh, you know, like I, we talked about gentrification, it's like people are being moved out of their homes because uh, financially, uh, 
uh, it's becoming more lucrative uh, to like those brownstones in Brooklyn. Buy one cheap, fix it up, sell it for millions. Um, that's you know that's that's usually the level of change at, at least when it comes to stuff like that um, that we 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 see and you see people um, experiencing the negative effects of that. Uh, it also brought up some instances where, you know, there's a phrase that people say a lot. Um, you can never go back home or, you know, stuff like that. And I guess that started to become real to me because it's like the home that I knew 20 years ago no longer exists. That's, and I think that's, that's, that's a big part of how I was feeling uh, because I felt like you know, that was gone. It like, it literally no longer existed. All of those memories that I have of that place, they're just, they're really just memories now. Um, it seemed like all the people that were pushed out of Brooklyn were now in that area of Queens. <laughs> it's, it's like, it was just like, even driving around that area was like driving around downtown Brooklyn or, or even like parts of Manhattan. Um, I went up to Jamaica Avenue, Archer Avenue, Suffolk Boulevard, where the Long Island Railroad um, station for that area is. And it was like the traffic patterns were a little bit different. You know, we almost got hit by a bus. <laughs> it was wild. So by the time, you know, we, we got kind of driving around the area, I was so down that I just was like, you know, I told Davlin, I was like, yo, so if it's cool with you, <laughs> if you really don't have a whole lot that you want to do, like, I wouldn't terribly, I wouldn't, so, I basically was like, I wouldn't be so upset if we just went back to where we were staying. And that's what we did. We went back to Far Rockaway, to the Airbnb that we were staying. We got some food. And that was it, you know. The next day, we went to um, the, the, the MoMA Museum. And then we went to the, um, to the Museum of, I think it was the Museum of Natural History. No, we went to the Met. Then we went, we went to the MoMA, then we went to the Met. Okay, cool. And what was weird, it was like, I had never been to the MoMA. Um, I had been, I had never been inside the Met, but I had been past there a bunch of times because um, like I've mentioned before in some of the other podcasts, I used to be a messenger uh, in New York when I was like 15. So I was walking past the Met like every day um, that I was working. Um, and then, you know, most of my work history in New York, uh, before, obviously before I came down here was in Manhattan. Um, and my grandmother lived in Manhattan. We was in Manhattan all the time. So, you know, being there and seeing those things helped me to appreciate all the stuff that I took for granted while I was living there. Uh, there was a, a exhibit at the Met that was, um, based on, uh, Afrofuturism. Um, and I wish I had the, all that stuff with me but I don't, um, but, um, it was just cool to kind of see that with like Davlin. Davlin's like really big into, to art and artifacts and stuff like that. So the visit to the MoMA was really cool because I got to see, um, art that I never have seen before, like in person. And also, you know, if it hadn't been for someone like Davlin who appreciates that kind of thing and like studies that kind of stuff, maybe I never, I've, I would have never seen it. You know, so it's cool to have friends <laughs> that will introduce you to things from the place that 
you used to live. Like, you know, Dabbling knows more about the art scene in New York than I'll ever know, <laughs> which is cool. Um, so it was really cool to appreciate, uh, not to appreciate, but it was it was cool to experience that. Um, because, again, I had never experienced it before. Um, when we went over to the Met, there was also like the um, the Egyptian and African exhibits that were also really, really cool. Um, so there was a lot of good things, great things that came out of that trip. That big thing, though, uh, about, you know, just getting caught up in nostalgia, I guess, and and really being impacted by how things changed for me, for my hometown, really impacted me a lot. And I'm still processing it. But this is part of the process of actually talking it through um, and having and having been able to had. You know what I'm trying to say. Having been able to sit with that <laughs> for a little while uh, to to clearly understand how I was feeling uh, was really helpful. Uh, so I'm kind of glad I took the time to process all of that. Also, your boy got hit with COVID. <laughs> so it wasn't from going to New York, though, which is crazy, you know, because I figured if, if I was going to catch COVID, definitely would have been from that. Um, but yeah. I had some work events that I went to uh, that was public events and then went to Atlanta. Uh, and when you go to a place like Atlanta, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's like you go to New York and you see all the mandates and people are masked up and you're like, all right, cool. Like when we went to go see the play, uh, you had to bring your COVID card with you and you definitely had to be masked up. They didn't check our COVID cards, but we brought, we brought those, the vaccination cards, I'm calling them a COVID card, but you know, vaccination cards. Uh, we had to bring those and um, they didn't check them. But when we all sat down, they made sure everybody had masks. If you didn't have your mask with you, they was handing out masks. You know, it was the, the what they call them, the K95s or the N95s. So they was giving out those joints. So in those cases, and you know, when the Uber drivers all wore masks. Um, so coming from New York <laughs> under those circumstances and then going to Atlanta, drastic difference drastic difference like we went to go see um miss Charlene. uh i think is the christie show uh i don't know if y'all know about her but if you do if you don't check her out hilarious uh she's all over like tiktok instagram whatever whatever but it was really cool to see her in person um but yeah nobody up in that joint was masked up and we weren't either to be honest i mean i had my mask with me and we went to a couple of places before the show and we was wearing our masks. But, you know, you're in a spot, you're going to eat, you know, whatever, whatever. Didn't really have nobody had masks on in that spot. So I wasn't surprised when I got back. And I think that was on a Sunday. So I had the public event on. We had a couple of public events because it was, you know, Juneteenth. So there was an outdoor event that for work that I did. And then there was an event at a church. That, you know, that was, you know, mask and all that, but still public uh, inside. Part of it was outside, other part was inside. And then Atlanta. So I wasn't shocked. I mean, I was shocked. <laughs> I know I just said wasn't shocked. Now I'm shocked. But it's, it's so weird because I know a few people who have had COVID. You know, Davlin's had COVID. Um, I got a couple of other friends that have had COVID. Uh, and... It's shocking when you hear your friends or your family members have it. 
because, you know, we hear people dying from it, right? Even people that are vaccinated get it. I'm vaccinated. Got it. Davlin's vaccinated. Got it. I think this was, this was the second time that Davlin had um, COVID. A um, couple of friends have had it. Um, I know friends vaccinated and unvaccinated that have had it. I was shocked that having been around people that have had COVID over the last two and a half years that I hadn't gotten it. Um, but eventually, you know, <laughs> it got me. Uh, I know some people that, that, that has gotten it since I've gotten it. And it was also weird that the people that we went to Atlanta with didn't get it, uh, which I'm happy they didn't. Um, but yeah, so that was an experience. Uh, if you've had COVID, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you haven't had COVID, I don't wish that on anyone. Um, it's like you go from not feeling great to feeling like shit, to feeling like this could be it <laughs> in a matter of days. Uh, so let's just say, let's just say for math's sake or for perspective, I got COVID from that public event I went to on a Friday, then went to Atlanta on Sunday, Monday. I woke up not feeling too too great, but not feeling like really terrible. Um, and over the course of that day, just went from eh, to eh. like over the course from like when I woke up in the morning, like about nine o'clock to like about eight o'clock, nine o'clock that night. Tuesday, train wreck. Wednesday, even worse. I think I took the test. I think I took the test either Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. I think I took it Wednesday morning. And um, I just, you know, I took the test, the at-home test, you know, waiting for the results. And Davlin uh, <laughs> was looking at the thing. And she goes, you got COVID, friend. <laughs> and I remember my reaction was like, what? Like, I was shocked. Like, the, the I, re I remember my face contorting a certain way. I didn't even see it, but I know how it looked. Um and the, the way I said, what? Or I don't even remember wh exactly what I said. But the way I said it, Davlin thought maybe she just kind of blurted it out. Well, you know, they talk about bedside man or whatever like that. And I remember her asking something to the effect of, oh, I guess I could have been a little bit more sensitive. But I was like, nah, I'm just not that I'm surprised, but I'm kind of shocked. Because I don't know about everybody else who's had COVID, but you hear about it. You know it's around you. You hear stories about people who, who have it or who have experienced it. But when it's you, I guess it's because of everything that goes with, with having COVID. It's like, all right, so now I don't know if I'm going to, this is the worst I'm going to feel. I don't know if, you know, now you got to be in the house. And now, you know, of course, I have it. You know, Davlin's my roommate or housemate. Let's just say, you know, because I, I hate, I'm bouncing a little bit over, all over the place right now, but... um. You know, Davlin's my friend, housemate, roommate, whatever. Uh, I hate putting labels like housemate, roommate on something like that because we've been living together for like five years, six years. So it, I, I guess you move past that label of roommate or housemate. Uh, and it's just like, oh, this is the person I live with. But anyway, that's we get off, we get off topic. <laughs> I've I mentioned her again because of now because I felt bad because she's got COVID again. Um, 
at that point for the second time. And even though we, us and a couple of our friends, we were all together, <laughs> I felt bad, you know, because I was like, oh, man, I gave. And I'm hoping that everybody else didn't get it. But it's like, I don't know, like, I guess because people have died from it. I mean, people die from the flu, but I've had the flu and I never, my, my mortality wasn't ever in question. Like, I didn't, there was one night, you know, during my COVID bout that I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going out and I'm, I'm all right with that. Like, I literally had those words with myself. Uh, but fortunately, it didn't turn out to be th- that bad. You know, it was still really, 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 really rough. Um, I just recommend, man, I'm not, you know, pulpitting on this joint for COVID and vaccinations and all that, but I can't imagine how bad that would have been had I not been vaccinated. Cause I don't, you know, I don't re- I don't know too many people who have had COVID that aren't vaccinated. Um, and I don't know. I think I know one person that had COVID that said, you know, it just felt like a, a just a bad cold, you know, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything different from what they've experienced before. For me, this was different. And I'm still um, experiencing some effects from it um, that, you know, you hear about. And so I'm, I think I'm like three or four weeks out of it. And I haven't felt like 100% since. Like, I, I think the best I felt was like maybe 80, 85. And uh, so, again, just, rec- you know, my recommendation to anyone listening uh, if you haven't been vaccinated, definitely get vaccinated. Uh, all the political and all that stuff aside, you know, it's your decision. Do what you, could, what you feel like is best for you and your family. Uh, if you haven't been boosted, like I haven't been boosted and I got to get that done, definitely get boosted. Um, and just, you know, and I, I think I've mentioned this before. Just, you know, think about your, your peoples, man. Think about your family. Think about your um your neighbors. You know, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. That's your business. Wear a mask when you go out. <laughs> Just saying. You know, I know we can't be perfect on that. Um, I forget sometimes. Um, it's been more on my mind since I've had COVID because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is for, you know, at, you know, you want to protect yourself. But this is also for the protection of the people around you, the people you come in contact with. So, again, just my personal opinion. And it's not because I got COVID. You know, I've been feeling that way for a minute. Make the decision based upon how you feel. But please, when you go out, just wear a mask. And I'm going to get off the soapbox on that joint uh, for the time being. But anyway, yo, it's good to be back. Um, Again, I had been going through some stuff with the visit from New York and and then COVID. And then some personal things. Um, You know, we all have our struggles, our trials. I think some of y'all. Um, who listen, know that I'm on this sobriety journey and I slipped up, uh, last week dealing with everything that was going on. Um, kind of fell back on the sauce a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm not still on it though. (laughs) You know, it was a a few days and, uh, I was able to kind of get myself back on track. Um, it was not without... (laughs) It's, it's, it's rough. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to talk about it. Um, and I'm not really sure why, not really sure why, but one thing I will say, um, about it 
and I'm going to work my way through talking about it with y'all. Um, I was on a, a support call after um, I kind of slipped up on that. And one of the things that I had been not really doing well was um, taking care of yourself outside of sobriety. You know, so they say, uh, we, you know, we talk about self-care a lot and I, I don't like to mention it, <laughs> you know, that phrase itself, uh, because it's, it's so cliche now. And I think it just means different things to different people. Uh, but one of the things that somebody on the call said, cause they kind of were experiencing the same thing. They didn't, they did they, they were able to maintain their sobriety. Um, but they had gotten themselves to a dark place because they hadn't really been taking care of themselves. Um, you know, doing the support calls, if you're doing AA or, you know, uh, whatever you're doing, see, you know, see, seeking additional, uh, counseling or therapy or whatever like that. Um, that person wasn't doing it. And then they realized, you know, as they were slipping further and further into this dark place that that was why, uh, one of the things that I had tried to do, uh, for the nine months that I went without taking a drink um, was just staying busy. And so, you know, so there's work, there's, I got the meals by Max, personal catering, personal chef thing going uh, and other stuff like this podcast and, you know, working on the next book and a, a lot of things trying to stay in the loop when it comes to, you know, certain spaces that I was attending uh, online uh, projects that I was trying to work on with other people uh, I was trying to keep myself just occupied and um, it worked for a little while and um, I was feeling good uh, Davlin had asked me a couple times you know about additional you know counseling and support and all that stuff that I was supposed to be checking in on and making it happen but by keeping myself busy a lot of that stuff uh i kind of always like got sidetracked from and so um when i found myself really uh wanting to just when i found myself really just wanting to have a drink um I realized it was so overwhelming because the other stuff that the the drinking that I was using to cope, I wasn't addressing those things like I had been while I was going to uh, counseling initially. Uh, you know, once that finished, I kind of was hanging on the resources of that um, and jumping on the call here, jumping on the call there, but not really taking care of myself. Like, honestly, you know, so one of the things that you know it's 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 crazy because once i took the drink it was it was automatic shame it really was and i still feel a, a not a little bit i still feel a lot of that shame because of the way i handled it um for the few days that i was kind of on that that in that space And without getting into the details of like nothing crazy, nothing bad happened, nothing like that. 
it was just I kind of saw immediately, like even leading up to me taking a drink, um, how my mindset had shifted. And um, it became as dominant of a thing as it was when I was drinking regularly. Uh, so once the ball started rolling, I kind of, it, it was inevitable at that point, you know, there were before there were like when I was coming out of, you know, drinking heavily, um, uh, and started the, the sobriety, um, it, it went, it was, all right, I'm not going to drink today. And I'm not, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. It went from that to it kind of not being a thought for a little while, just here and there. Um, but I was doing things, you know, I like I was, you know, at least making an effort to meditate uh, every day and, 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 and concentrate on not drinking. Uh, that went from because, you know, you get off your routine a little bit. I got off my routine quite a bit. I didn't realize how far off the routine of, of trying to meditate and trying to set my intentions for the day. I hadn't realized how long it had been since I had done that. Um, and each day that I successfully didn't drink, I was like, cool, you know, the, the, the days and the months started accumulating and I was, I, I felt good about that number. And I realized I was way too focused on that number. You know, even when it got to the point where I was beginning to say, yo, definitely, I'm going to have a drink today. I'm going to have a drink today. I'm going to have a drink today. And I would get through the day without drinking. And I felt like that was even more of a successful day because I had wanted to and I didn't. And I didn't realize, you know, that feeling was just going to be the beginning of the the path to drink. Because I, again, wasn't addressing the stuff that was making me want to drink. Uh, so that first day, I thought <laughs> it was just going to be that day, you know. And uh, the next day, <clears throat> cause I, I drank that evening and the next day just felt terrible, like physically because I hadn't had any alcohol in my system in uh, nine months. And I didn't think I was going to feel bad in the morning. Um, so of course that day I struggled through that day and was like, you know, I had fun last night, you know, was back on track. Got through the next day, didn't drink, but the, the day after that, I felt even worse <laughs> physically uh, to the point where, you know, I just went back to my old habits as far as, well, I know if I have a drink, I'll feel better. And, you know, it, it turned into a few days and then, you know, I had that moment of, 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 of reawakening, as it were. <laughs> And I'm not going to get into the details on that, um, but long story short, I just, I, I, it was kind of a reflective thing to where I saw where my habits, even over a very short period of time, quickly reverted back to the old way I was doing things. And I, I realized um, that I didn't know how I was going to refocus or recenter myself. Um, I knew I had to do it real fast because again, it had only been a few days, 
Um, and then something happened that kind of shook me back into, um, or shook me back into focus. Uh, it wasn't pleasant. Uh, <laughs> and even thinking about it now, it's like, fuck, man, I really, you know, but I was grateful for what had happened uh, because if it hadn't, I may not be having this conversation the way I'm having it now. Um, I may not be having this conversation at all. Um, and that's, that's sobering for lack of a better word. Uh, it's sobering to, to, to think about, to think about that, to understand how close I was to just slipping back into my old shit. Um, and I think part of the slip progressively was the trip to New York and how I felt about it and how I was unable to process how I felt about it, but also, uh, having COVID and basically not being able to, not being able to do a whole lot for like two weeks. Um, like I wanted to, cause I knew I was going to be down for a little bit. So I was like, well, yeah, like before I started feeling like real shit, um, I was like, I can get a, I can get a podcast in or I can, you know, redo the podcast that I had already done. Um, I could do some work on a, on, on a computer. You know, I just felt like I was going to be able to get some shit done <laughs> and no, you know, so all the stuff that I had been pushing to the back that I actually thought I was working my way through, you know, you, you, you laying down literally all day. Like I would get up on a day that I felt like I was feeling better, not feeling good, but just feeling better. Um, and maybe an hour or two in to the day, <laughs> I was like, shit, man, I feel like crap, you know? So I just had a lot of idle time on my hands and it just brought up old feelings and old thoughts and, you know, just reflecting on stuff that hasn't been really great or didn't really work out and trying to figure out why, you know, all of that stuff. And instead of trying to find a way to work my way through it, I just kind of sat in it um, until it got me off my, off my, off my game. So, um, I'm working on that taking care of yourself part. Uh, that's important regardless of whether you're battling anything, but more important if you are, um, and it's tough, it's tough to look at it and, 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 and see where I was for just a few days. Um, and then to see, even since I kind of recentered, um, I've, I still see and feel and recognize that that inner conflict, as it were, you know, um, just trying to ward off those thoughts or the, the urge to, to do certain things. And the universe is amazing. Um, call it what you want, faith, your belief in God, you know, whatever. I'm going to call it the universe. But it's like once you kind of recognize how things work around you, to me, it let me see where everything was kind of going 
before it got out of hand. Um, what the 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 event that happened that got me back on track. I saw that coming throughout the entire day that it happened. Um, certain things worked out a certain way uh, to prevent it from getting any worse than what it was, than what it, than what it was. And maybe later on, you know, when I get further away from this particular instance or this particular setback, um, I'll be able to go into detail about those things. Um, but I'm glad it, it turned out the way it did. Um, and I'm glad I have people around me that really care. Um, because I know without them, things would have already, things would be different now. <laughs> like just, they would have been different for a long time, but especially, you know, to, 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 to have people around you that, you know, they don't expect you to do things perfectly. They just want you to be honest with yourself and be honest with them. And um, I wasn't doing that for that period of time. So that's part of it too, you know, being honest with yourself. Um, and, and also, not just on this particular issue of sobriety, but on anything really, it's like, you know, we, or I'll say I, tend to make things bigger than they are. And with, with, with some things, they're little things, right? So you make a little thing, a big thing, and it's not so big. Cause it was a little thing when it first started, it's bigger than it was, but you know, <laughs> sometimes things are so small that we can't make them huge because they're so small, but they are large. We make them a bigger deal than what they have to be. With the big stuff, like battling sobriety or addiction, I mean, battling alcoholism or addiction, which is, you know, addiction's addiction is the same thing. But that's a big thing. And to make that bigger than what it is makes it insurmountable. And I think that's what I had done. Um, I know leading up to the setback, I was looking at the number of nine months and saying, all right, so I'm close to a year. But I was also looking down the line, like I'm never gonna be able to drink again. And there were some days that I was thinking that way that I was like, I felt, I was like, yo, why did this shit have to happen to me, right? <laughs> and there are cases where I would feel like, depending on what the circumstances are for someone, that for them to feel that way, why does this have to happen to me, is, is absolutely warranted. I didn't feel like having those thoughts about sobriety was appropriate. And so there was even more negative feelings about feeling that way. Like, why can't I drink? I have the answer now. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to, 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 to backslide a little bit to get the answer. This is why, you know, um, I mean, we all have our things. There are just things that some people can do that other people can't. Um, and it's not a big deal. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, um, I feel like 
people who, and not just because I'm dealing with it, but in general, it's like people who overcome addictions of any sort. Um, that's an, an accomplishment, even in the cases of it being a constant struggle. Um, not, not everybody's going to do like, you know, Hey, last time I had a drink or last time I did drugs or anything that was an addiction. Um, I've been off that for 30 years and never had anything, you know, never, never had a setback, never got back on it. Everybody's not gonna be able to do it that way. I thought I was going to be able to do it, do it that way. I, I thought it wasn't going to be hard to do it that way. Relatively speaking, <laughs> let's not get it twisted. This is, it's, it's hard work. Um, but you gotta do it. <laughs> you gotta, and you gotta do all the things not to, so that you don't, fall back on whatever it is that you're battling is just so that you are taking care of yourself. Like obviously because of the situation that I was in with drinking, I wasn't taking care of myself at all to begin with. It's, it's, it's very important to do so if you're trying to overcome something like that. Um, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's still really difficult for me to wrap my brain around it. And, and to talk about it because I understand the seriousness of it and that's, and it's for me, you know, the serious, the seriousness of it for me. Um, and when I hear other people, like when I'm on a support call or whatever like that, and I hear other people going through the struggle as well, it, um, it doesn't make me feel better that I I can listen to other people talk about similar struggles. It makes me feel better that I can listen to that and try to apply it in some way to what I'm dealing with or what I'm trying to do. Um, it also feels better to know that there are people who aren't, you know, it's, it's, we going for lack of a better term and language, we going to fuck up <laughs> in one way or the other, uh, when it comes to, to battling anything like addictions, you know, or even when you think about people who are trying to overcome abusive relationships from the past or maybe in the present or just recognizing, you know, uh, what works for you in a relationship and what doesn't work for you in a relationship. So, you know, setting boundaries, all of that stuff. It's not easy work to be the best version of yourself. It's just not. And in my instance, it's like you're trying to be the best version of yourself or in any other instance where you're overcoming obstacles to try. We're all trying to be um, the best version of ourselves. I think in some way, shape, form or fashion. Um, and we just, we, we don't nail it all the time. So I, I, I didn't know I was going to go into all of that, but I'm glad I did. Cause I was able to get some of it off my chest, um, and kind of face it and acknowledge it because I don't want to go back down that path is I just seen so many things that could have been different or could have been better if 
I wasn't if I wasn't using alcohol to figure out some stuff. I thought at one point I was just drinking because I like to drink. And and that probably was it. Um at a certain point, you know, I think <laughs> in my late teens, early 20s, hanging out in the street. Yeah, there wasn't anything that I was trying to, at that point that I could pinpoint that I was trying to like escape from. Now, like looking back, um, I could see how subconsciously maybe that was the case. Cause it, you know, I was, <laughs> this just was a lot happening in my youth. There's a lot happening now. Um, and I think towards the end of everything before I decided to try to get it together, um, I could pinpoint some stuff that I was trying to escape from, even though I didn't want to admit it. And I see some of that stuff kind of working its way back up. And, you know, I just wanted to just not feel like that for a moment in time, which turned into a few days. And again, it could have been worse. It could have turned into much more, much longer than that. So hopefully uh, anyone who may be listening, um, if that resonates with you at all, I hope what I've had to say and, and my experiences on that has been encouraging to you. Um, and that if it has been, then you can work your way through whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're battling. Um, yeah, just keep, keep, keep trucking, keep pushing, keep pounding, whatever uh, <laughs> cliche uh, terms you want to use for that. Just keep doing it, man. Um, just keep do- I'm, I'm, I'm not in a space to where I feel like I can offer advice on that because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Um, but if I had to say anything comfortably. <laughs> it would be to just keep 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 trying you know lean on your peoples be honest with yourself be honest with them if they ask you something direct just be honest answer it directly just be honest all right so we wrapping it up in a little bit um just a few other things that i wanted to touch on um before we peace out and, and make room for the next episode. Um, a lot of stuff going on in the news. Uh, I don't know if I got a chance to talk about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I don't think so. I may have touched on it a little bit when they were um, when it was out there that they were reviewing it. Um, It's wild. <laughs> that in itself, without, you know, going into how I personally feel about abortion and all that stuff. I mean, I'm one of those people that I'm like, you know, it's do what you got to do. Um, I feel like. If they can and when I say they, I mean, the government and the Supreme Court, they can overturn something like that. Everything is on the table. <laughs> Everything is on the table. So I think watching how the reactions have been on that and how, you know, politically it's been a really crazy hot topic to where 
you know, we the lines were being drawn on a lot of stuff way before this. And I think this is just, you know, kind of the precedent or not the precedent, but kind of the thing that to me, at least, lets me know that nothing's safe at this point. Um, if and if you look at the way the Supreme Court is set up right now. It's set up to change a lot of things that um, gave us choices. It's set up to change a lot of that. And I think a lot more is coming down, down the pipe. Um, at this point, to me, it's not about Democrats and Republicans. It's about agendas. And just because you're a Democrat doesn't mean that you align with all the Democratic principles. And <laughs> to be honest with you, a lot of those Democratic principles aren't exactly in alignment with what they what you would think they would be and Republican as well. Everybody has agendas, especially in politics. Politics breed agendas of all sorts. Um, and a lot of those agendas, even on the face, when they seem to be things that would benefit us as a people, still based on an agenda. <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we talk about... Um, we saw about Juneteenth a little while ago and you look at the Emancipation Proclamation that was Abraham Lincoln, quote unquote, quote unquote, freeing the slaves. He didn't do it because it was the right thing to do. <laughs> or I should say he didn't do it just because it was the right thing to do. Um, and even people that we look to in, in history during that time period that are like American heroes, you know, because they championed the freeing of the slaves. They didn't get rid of their slaves immediately. And, it, and we know the story about Juneteenth. Uh, they didn't, the people, you know, I think that was mainly in Texas. Um, they weren't told un for two years after the Emancipation Proclamation that they were free. Two, a little bit over two years. Um, I was looking at something on, I think, Instagram. But it was Tom Hanks talking about how he had no idea about what the Tulsa massacre was. And then, you know, there's the Black Wall Street and all of that stuff. He had no idea. He said he had just learned about that maybe a year or two before whatever this, that clip was from. I don't know what the time was on that. Um, and he was angry. He was like, how could, you know, we not you know, how could there be a selective group of people that chose to edit history and not teach it completely? And personal feelings aside about Tom Hanks and, and him being angry, quote unquote, about that. To be honest with you, I had I was not taught about that in school either. You know, I learned about it just in other research. And, you know, when I and that wasn't years ago, that was recently, too, maybe within the last six or seven years you know, learning about what it actually was. I had heard about it and, and, you know, just growing up, didn't hear a whole lot about it at all. Like I really didn't hear about that until I became an adult. Um, and then, you know, knowing a little bit about black wall street, I didn't know all the details about the Tulsa massacre until the series Watchmen came out. 
And so, you know, I'm watching that and then I'm like, well, you know, what's what's just doing some research? And they're like, oh, and then you find out about more things. And the only thing I could get from that video with Tom Hanks was. Was he angry because. He didn't know about it, and this was something that he he felt like he should have known about or that everybody should have known about. Or was he angry because he was white <laughs> and something like this was withheld from him? That that was the immediate reaction to that. And I know, you know, a lot of us black folks, you know, myself included, we like Tom Hanks. You know, Tom Hanks is, I mean, I, in some circles, he would be considered an ally. Um, And I'm not, this is not me talking shit about Tom Hanks. It's just me talking shit about the way things happen in this country and how it's perceived by people, white people with privilege. It's a shame that our history come it, it, when it comes to slavery and when it comes to the way black and brown people and people of color and minorities have been treated in this country uh, for, for the like entire history of this country. Um, it's it's shameful that this information isn't or it was selectively chosen what parts of history are going to be taught to everyone. But it doesn't negate the fact that it actually happened. You know what I'm saying? You can sit here and talk about all the details you want. It happened. All of that shit. There's, there's proof that it happened. Whether you want to talk about, oh, th that's not really how it happened or whatever like that. Bottom line is this country sucks when it comes to um, uh, uh, acceptance of all the people who live here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We could sit back and, 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 and break down all of this shit. And now this is why, right? This is why people are fighting against critical race theory. This is why people are fighting against, you know, the, the, the history being told. This is why people are trying to change it because it shows us. And, and it's not that we didn't know, but there's a whole generation of kids who are not being taught the history, all of it. You know, it, it goes away from how we learned about it. Like there was stuff that we weren't taught. And once we found out about it, it wasn't like publicly and widely discredited. Now we're getting to the publicly and widely discredited portion of the way people are telling history. And if you think Tom Hanks is angry, <laughs> what about the people that's affected by that? What about the people who are still dealing with that? You know, I, I love the fact that, you know, Tom Hanks now knows about that. And I love the fact that there are a whole lot of white people who didn't know about shit that know about it now. To be honest with you, a lot of us, including black people, learn about this stuff at the same rate as some of these some white people. And I'm, I'm not trying to say some of these white people. Um, but it's like. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that our country would hide this from us. And we're like, yo, there's a whole lot of stuff you don't know. This stuff that's happening right now that you don't know about that we know about only because we're black. Or only because, you know, people are minorities. Or only because people are gay or transgender. Like, you're, you only find out about some of this stuff because you identify with it. You know? And when when people... 
I don't know. It just I just felt really weird about that. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll have to break that down on another podcast. Um, but there's so I mean, I, I was just sitting here thinking the other day, and even earlier today. Um, there's so many lines being drawn on everything, and I and I guess you know, of course, that was inevitable. You know, there was a point to where you know when all of this stuff was starting to surface again. Um, and Donald Trump was president and, you know, things was looking really crazy. I think a lot of us just was like, all right, so when we get this dude out of office, let's, you know, shit's going to go back to normal. It has not. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Joe Biden (laughs) hasn't really done anything to make shit better or to try to, to get us off of where we were when Trump was president. Um, and I don't really... I have my my feelings about it. I don't, you know, it's, it's opinions and some of it could be fact. I don't know. But I think at this point, man, everybody has just got to realize that we we all are under the microscope. We're under the, you know, we're in the crosshairs, you know, all like everybody just needs to be on notice right now. That shit is about to go down. Sad thing is there's no way for us to know exactly what's going to happen. You know, these, the school shootings are breeding all sorts of responses from, you know, people who are pro-gun. The the overturning of Roe versus Wade is bringing up old arguments and new arguments. Um, everything that you feel a certain way about, and a lot of times it, it, it could condemn you or it could put you in some sort of weird just space where you know you what you say is 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 viewed as oppressive even if you're a part of the oppressed it's it's just really weird a re- weird time that we're in right now um to the point where i think like i was talking to Davlin about this yesterday and we talk about it all the time to be honest with you just the way things are for it to be different, a lot of this stuff has just got to be just done away with, burned down, start over. Um, we was, you know, you talk about um, the topic of Ferguson came up in a podcast that I was listening to. And they were talking about, you know, that only came to a head because there was a long history of the police department in Ferguson. And, you know, just the way policies were were um, created and put into play uh, as far as legislation goes in that area. It's long history, long, long, long history of corruption uh, in that space. But a lot of times, you know, you, we look at stuff like that and we're just like, oh, so here it is. This just happened. And now people are overreacting. No, 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 no. When anything pops off like that, it's because things have been going on for so long. That's the boiling point. You know, that's why we see people, you know, you can call them rioters, you call them protests, you call them whatever you want. People are fed up, you know. Um, When we see things that affect people across the board, including white people, the perceptions of how people react to that changes, you know, um, once Roe versus Wade was overturned, there was a protest here in Greenville where people were 
blocking the interstate, walking down the interstate. Same thing that happened when people were protesting George Floyd. The reaction was different. You know, the way it was uh, uh, perceived and the way it was covered by the media, very different. I mean, that's fact. <laughs> you can't, excuse me, <clears throat> you can't, you can't change, you can't shape that differently because it is fact. It's like, you know, when Trump became president and, you know, he was talking, the way he, the way he, what his uh, words and actions towards women, the way that was protested against by millions, that's the way it should be on any level where people are being oppressed or people are being, um, um, uh, word escapes me right now. Uh, just, well, let's just say oppression in general, right? The reaction should be the same. And I think I said this in, in, in my previous podcast or just the one I was working on, uh, before I cleaned it up with this one. Um, yeah. You, if you feel like, you know, ro, ro, uh, excuse me, Roe versus Wade affects you and you want to protest. Yeah, do that. But when an unarmed black person. Or, you know, we see violence against uh, the LGBTQ plus community begin uh, against transgender people. Uh, when we hear about indigenous women going missing. The reaction should be the same. So. Knowing <laughs> that the reactions are not the same. That's why I feel like things even I mean, you, you look at just the way COVID and, and the conversations that we have about that. It, it really shows me that at the end of the day, people and when I say people, I mean the people like people in general, but also the people in charge and the powers that be and white people. If it's not directly affecting them, there's no response. You know, the people that are directly affected when it comes to racism and stuff like that, you know, uh, we out there, you know, we talking about it. We, 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 we're opinion, we're, we're having conversations. We're trying to be heard, be seen so that these things don't happen. And we, I was talking about allies. And I think I saw something uh, on a show or whatever to where, you know, there are people who consider themselves allies or who say they're allies. But when the chips are down, <laughs> I mean, well-intentioned people, too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, I don't know. That's not my fight. And I think I said that about something. Um, and I had a response to that's why people that's why things are the way they are, because there are people that say. This is not their fight. And that person, the, 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 what they said was correct. What I, and I, and I'm trying to remember what it was that I was, um, uh, talking about. Um, I didn't mean that I'm not going to say anything about it because that ain't me. That I, it doesn't affect me. What I meant was, and I think I was, I, I may have been talking about, um, uh, ah, 
God dang, I wish I could remember because I hate to talk about stuff vaguely and not remember it, but I do that all the time. Um, basically, what I was saying was, you know, like the issue of women's rights, right? Um, as a man, I know that I can side with the women that I love and I care about. But there are certain conversations that I feel like when, when and I'm just using women's rights as an example, um, that when men talk about it, they can talk about it from the bottom of their heart and be totally um, genuine with how they feel and well-intentioned. And it comes out completely wrong. You know? Um, and I said that to say, there are people who consider themselves allies and, 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 and they, you know, may be looked at, upon as allies or they may want to be allies. But there are certain things that sometimes I know they, they stay out of the conversation because they don't want to be perceived as someone from the outside looking in that has an opinion that really doesn't matter. But <laughs> there are also people that are that should be allies or, or should consider themselves allies because of where they are in society and, and how their influence could mean something really big when it comes to the fights against injustice and they choose to sit out. That's what I was referring to. Um, they know they can make a difference, but they choose to sit out. Um, and again, personal choice. Can't nobody make anyone do something that they don't want to do. Um, but that in itself lets me know, again, that a lot of this stuff that we're looking to see change, that we fight to see changed, that you know, we shouldn't have to fight because, you know, we, we all human and we all in some way, shape, form or fashion experience some of the same things. We're going to be on our own. We really are. We really are. Uh, so it's important that like when it comes to the challenges that we're facing as individuals, um, anything that we're, we're, we're trying to work to be better. Um, seeing the changes in the society, in the world, in our communities that we want to see. Um, lean on your community. And I don't mean where you live. I mean your family, your friends, the people you trust. Um, lean on them. Lean on them. Because we need community. None of us can do any of the stuff that we're trying to do out here on our own. We need each other. Um, so if you are working towards something that you feel like can have an impact on all those around you, that's positive, of course. Um, or again, like I said, you're trying to, 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 to be a better person. Don't try to do it alone. Don't try to do it alone. Uh, if it's for a good cause, if you're an activist and you try to do that work alone, you're going to burn out real fast. Um, if you're struggling with anything and you try to do it alone, your chance to succeed is going to be very slim. Speaking from experience. Um, and I know it's really hard during, especially during the last two and a half years where isolation has been safety for some people. Try your best to not isolate yourself too much. You know, we all need time to ourselves, but you know, if you sit in, whatever space, negative space that you might be in by yourself too long, it's going to eat away at you. It's going, 
And in some cases, it can tear you apart. So I'm going to wrap it up on that note. Listen, anybody's listening, I love you. Um, you know, those who I know, I hope y'all know I love you. Um, we're, we, we are all facing personal challenges as well as, you know, experiencing some things that may have occurred where individuals that we love and we care about may have a different opinion. Talk that shit out. And again, I'm talking to myself on that one. Um, but just, you know, we, 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 we have to stay connected. So the positive relationships that we have, we need to nurture those. So again, I'm going to leave that, leave, leave you all on that note. I appreciate y'all for listening. I appreciate y'all coming back for, I believe this will be episode number 10. Um, and I got some stuff. I know I've said that before. Um, and I'm gonna keep saying it until it comes out, <laughs> but I got some stuff coming on the way. So as those things are coming, um, I will be keeping y'all informed. Um, but just take care of yourself out there. Um, you know, hug on your loved ones, the ones that you can, uh, keep in mind those that may not be here. Uh, whether you believe it or not, those who have passed on are watching over you and watching over us. Um, just stay connected to your people. I appreciate y'all. Once again, uh, this is Max Lit and the It Is What It Is podcast gumbo. I will see y'all soon. I will uh, have some more material coming up, hopefully within the next, at no more than 30 days. <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace. Love you. See you soon.